This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in His power and love even now as you listen. Turn, if you will, to Matthew chapter uh, 6. If you're new with us today, uh, we are in the midst of a series called A New Way of Life. We've been looking at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew 5 through 7. And so we are actually finishing up chapter 6 today, and Jesus is talking about the subject of worry, (laughs) something that most of us deal with in our lives to one degree or another. And so we're talking about Winning the battle over worry. Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to pick up what Jesus says beginning with verse 25. Matthew 6 and verse 25. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? You have little faith. So don't worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Father, we pray that you would would take your word and bless it to our understanding and to our application today. We're, we're, We're looking at a subject today that is so common that everybody sitting in this room, to one degree or another, deals with anxiety uh, with anxious care, with, with worry that can just, just tear us apart and rob us of, of joy in, in you. And, and, and Father, we, we thank you that you give help. We thank you that, that your word addresses that, that, that Jesus, as he stood on the mountainside that day uh, giving this message, he had a word for people, not just in the first century, but in the in the 21st century, where so many of us are just uh, torn apart by worry and 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 fear, and and uh, Lord, we we thank you that your word has answers, and we pray that your Spirit would speak to us right now. Give us give us hearts to and, and ears to to be open and to listen and to understand and to apply. And we pray that this would be life-changing for many in this room today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So most all of us can relate to the following scenario. Uh, You need sleep. (laughs) You go to bed 
and uh, you're desperately in need of, of a good night's rest. And so you lie down and, you know, you're in the perfect position to, to get that. You're in your, your bed and uh, in, in most cases in America, it's a nice climate controlled environment and everything is right. You may even be diffusing essential oils, you know, but um, you sleep is elusive. It just will not come and you're tossing and turning. Why? Because you are replaying in your mind something that happened during the course of the day that you're anxious about or you're afraid of something that might happen tomorrow. Our time has been called the age of anxiety. But in reality, anxiety is not something that is unique to our age. And Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that as he stood preaching on the mountainside that day in the first century, he knew that many of the people in that crowd were tearing themselves apart with anxious care. And Jesus gives us weapons to wield in the battle against worry. And we're going to look at four of them today. The first one is this. Check your priorities. Check your priorities. So the word that uh, is translated as, as worry in most of our Bible versions in, in English, the Greek word is used six times throughout this passage. And it's referring to kind of common everyday worries that are, you know, unique to all peoples. Now, some of us tend to worry more than others you know, because of our, 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 our makeup, our biology, our, our, our DNA, or just maybe things from our, the way we grew up, or, or there could be so many things that factor into this. Some people struggle with anxiety and worry just naturally more than others. That's certainly true. It's also true that in the case of, of some people, there may be actually something physical that's going on or chemical um, in our bodies that may even need to be addressed um, medically or with medicine. There's certainly no shame in that. But all of us, to, to one degree or another, are dealing with what Jesus is talking about here. We all have to struggle with, with worry and with, with anxious care. And the word just kind of means to be kind of, it's tearing, to be torn apart uh, by, by anxious care and, and, and worry. And, and Jesus, as he begins to get into this, he tells us that, that kind of the first step in dealing with this is to take a step back and to look at the big picture and to understand, you know, what's truly important and what's not. So let's look at verse 25. He says here at the end of verse 25, isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? If you were to get a phone call that a loved one had been in an accident, you know, 
I hope that the first thing on your mind is not the condition of the metal and the rubber and the plastic of the car. No, your first and only question at that point is going to be, is she okay? Is he okay? Are they okay? Because those immaterial things can be replaced, right? We're talking about life here. One time I was dealing with something really heavy in my life, heavy, dark time. And I'll never forget uh, a wise, godly person said to me, man, this isn't, this isn't life. I mean, your family, your family, you're okay. You know, your family's okay. You've got like, this isn't life. This is going to pass. As a pastor, I've been in many ICU waiting rooms and it's remarkable sometimes to see the way that people interact with one another in that setting. And I've seen, I've seen family members who are typically not that close and, and typically maybe are a bit harsh toward one another become very tender towards one another in that environment. I've seen people who are normally pretty selfish and into themselves become really giving in that environment. And it's almost like the fog has burned away in that setting and they are able to see what is truly important and what's not important in life. You almost wish you could take that and bottle it. <laughs> We've heard the expression, don't sweat the small stuff. But, but in reality, most of the things that we worry about is, is going to amount to just being small stuff in the end. Researchers indicate that about 91% of the stuff that we worry about never happens. And so we're tearing ourselves apart in the present, stealing joy from the present, because we're worried about stuff in the future, the vast majority of which is not even going to happen. And even if it does, what's the worst thing that could happen? You could lose your life. But, but see, as believers, we've already been given eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. <laughs> to live as Christ and to die as gain, right? Our present is in his hands. He's got us. We are his. The big things, our salvation has already been taken care of, and our future is secure in him. And therefore, we really can lean back in the loving arms of a beautiful father. Check your priorities. Second principle that Jesus gives us here is to consider who you are as a child of God. Consider who you are as a child of God. Let's look first at verse 26. Jesus says, consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Now, remember the setting here of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is outside He's in Galilee, up on a hillside. The, the Sea of Galilee is, 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 is right there um, in the distance. It's a beautiful um, setting. And so, you know, Jesus could look up and see little birds darting against the, the, the blue sky. And remember that he has just addressed the subject of hoarding. 
Last week, we, we looked at it. Uh, Jesus says, don't, don't lay up treasures for yourselves on earth. In other words, don't hoard. But why do we hoard? We hoard because we are worried that we are not going to have enough. So Jesus points to these birds darting through the sky, and he says, do they hoard? <laughs> are, they, are these birds engaged in hoarding? No. And yet your father, your, the heavenly father provides for them just fine. So if God does that for birds, how much more will he provide for you? You're not a bird. You're one of his children. You're one of his sons or daughters. And he loves you with a perfect love. If he provides for the birds, certainly he is going to provide for you one of his own. There's another passage where Jesus uses um, this, this image of, of birds compared to his children. It's in the 12th chapter of Luke, Luke 12, 6 and 7, where Jesus says, Aren't five sparrows sold for two pennies? And yet not one of them is forgotten in God's sight. Indeed, the hairs of your head are all counted. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Listen, consider who you are as a child of God. Let's look at verses 28 through 30. Jesus says, and why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor, spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? You of little faith. Galilee is one of the most beautiful places in the world. And especially in spring, the, 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 the hills in Galilee are just adorned with, with beautiful flowers. And so Jesus says to this crowd, look around. Look around you. Look at these beautiful flowers. Did they get that way by worrying? No, God took care of the whole process of making them what they are. God is a brilliant artist, designed them to be the way that they are without any help from their worrying. Jesus says, if God does that for, for flowers, for the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? You are his child. Note at the end of verse 30, Jesus says, won't he do much more for you? You of little faith. You can sense the pain here in Jesus' words because our, our worrying breaks the heart of God. How would you feel as a loving parent, if one of your children just tore themselves apart with anxious care rather than coming to you and, and sharing the burden. Our worry breaks the heart of our Father. No, what, what, are we, what should we do with our, with our worries and cares? Give them to Him. 
Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Look at verses 31 and 32. Jesus continues, so don't worry saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Now, the, the term Gentiles here is just another word for pagans, people who, true, who don't know who God really is. And they were full of anxiety, because the gods that the pagans worshipped were notoriously capricious. New Testament scholar Craig Blomberg says, anxiety characterized pagan religions which were dominated by fears of a capricious and despotic deity who constantly had to be appeased. You see, the the Gentiles, the pagans, they never knew where they stood with their gods. We can know as believers where we stand. Romans 5, 1 and 2 tells us, Paul says, therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. If you are in Christ, you are standing in grace. And therefore, you can rejoice and the hope of the glory of God. Jesus died for you. Jesus rose. Jesus is coming again. Your future is secured. Rejoice. Be at peace. Consider who you are as a child of God. Third, consider the uselessness of worry. Consider the uselessness of worry. Does all your worrying really help? (laughs) Jesus answers that. Verse 27. Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? Well, it's a rhetorical question. (laughs) The answer is no. But doctors today would tell us that we can certainly subtract plenty of moments and days and probably years from our lives through worrying But not only will our lifespan likely be shorter if we're torn apart by worry, it will certainly be less unpleasant. It will certainly be less pleasant. It will not only rob you of days and maybe even years, but it it steals of the joy that that could be yours. It's causing you to miss out in the present on, on the joy that could, that could be yours in, in, in Christ. You know, Jesus basically is saying here in verse 27 that worry is unproductive and it is a monumental waste of time. Consider the uselessness of worry. Fourth, channel your energy and focus. Channel your energy and And focus. Verse 33, Jesus says, But seek first. 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Jesus is telling us here that part of winning over worry is pouring yourself into that which truly matters. So part of winning over worry is not just kind of, you know, saying, well, I don't want to worry and turning away from worry. Part of winning over worry is pouring your energy and your focus into God's kingdom, into God's rule, into God's reign, into God's righteousness, the things of God. Teddy Roosevelt once said that black care rarely sits behind a rider whose pace is fast enough. But, but, but where are you going to, right? What are you pouring yourself into? Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He says, make the first thing in your life, the, your first priority. Make number one, God's rule and God's reign in your life, God's righteousness. Channel your energy and focus into the things that matter. That lasts forever, as we talked about last week. And God says, when you do that, I'll take care of the rest. I love what H.B. Charles says about this. If you take care of God's business, God will take care of your business. Verse 34. Jesus says, so therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Joel Gregory once said that a lot of people spend their lives crucified between two thieves, yesterday and tomorrow. We're either tearing ourselves apart with regret and self-condemnation over stuff in our past, or we're afraid of stuff that might happen in the future. Let me tell you something. If you're in Christ, your past is under the blood of Jesus. Your future is in God's capable hands. And therefore, you really can be at peace. And you can rejoice in the precious present that he's given you. Focus on today. And guess what? When tomorrow gets here, Lamentations 3.23 says his mercies are new every morning. (laughs) When tomorrow gets here, God will give you the grace for tomorrow. Now, Jesus here is making arguments from the lesser to the greater. He does that twice in this text. He does it with birds. He does it with the the grass, the flowers of of the field. And the argument from the lesser to the greater is that if God, you know, takes care of things like birds and flowers, then how much more will he provide for you? You're his child. He loves you with a perfect love. It's an argument from the lesser to the greater. Paul at one point makes an argument that is another, it's another weapon 
against worry, except for Paul makes the argument from the greater to the lesser. Let's look at Romans 8.32. He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? In other words, God has already given us the greatest gift, his son. Won't he take care of every lesser thing that we need? Of course he will. Great is his faithfulness. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for um, the fact that you have provided the greatest thing that any of us need, which is redemption. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you for a, a savior who died for sinners like us so that we could be forgiven of our sins and reconciled to you so that we could have a standing in grace. We thank you for a savior who took condemnation uh, in our place so that we, we don't have to be condemned, so that we can be accepted. We thank you for a Savior who rose again, who has defeated death so that we can have eternal life. Lord, we, we thank you that, that our, our, our past is, is, is under the blood, that we don't have to live in regret and self-condemnation. We thank you that our future, our tomorrows are in your hands, your capable, loving hands, and so we don't have to fear. And we thank you that our forever future has been taken care of. Lord, all the, all the, all the big things have been done because of, because of you. And so we, we pray that you would help us to, to, to live free in in light of your love in light of the in light of the gospel and it's in the name of Jesus that we pray amen i hope you've been blessed by this message christ is the answer for every need now and for all eternity as someone once said jesus plus nothing equals everything and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1:12. to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth, is now your loving Father, and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with them. 
We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you too. Come to one of our services. We worship at 8.30 and 11 on Sunday mornings. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I could help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.